Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to Page 8 Podcast, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. Hello again. I am Michael Floyd. I am joined by Mrs. Kristen Carr, and we are so elated that you have decided to give us a listen today. We have a full, fun-filled show for you today, so buckle up and let's ride. Now over to Kristen. Hi, guys. We are so excited to be bringing you this podcast again today. We're going to start off talking equestrian, actually. We really haven't had a chance to uh, talk about this so far this season, but Auburn is ranked number one, and they are playing in the NCAA tournament this week. They are facing number eight Baylor um, on Thursday, and if they win that game, they will face the winner of the SMU-Texas A&M game in the semifinals. So Auburn has actually won several national championships in the last few years, so it'll be really interesting to see how this turns out. And I don't know if you mentioned this, um, but Coach Greg Williams, I think he was uh, named SEC Coach of the Year. Yes, yeah, uh, so, so kudos to him. I'm pretty sure the Auburn family is proud of him and the equestrian team as a whole. Definitely, absolutely. All right, next we're going to be talking women's basketball, and we have Jay Gonzalez here. How are you? Doing good. Excited to talk about some women's basketball today. Definitely. So this week, Auburn had another big hire. Auburn announced on Tuesday that Katara Chapel is joining the staff as an assistant coach. And, you know, she spent last season at Texas uh, with Auburn's new head coach, Johnny Harris. And that team went to the Elite Eight during the season that they were coaching, as well as spent some time with Coach Harris at Mississippi State before that. So, Jake, it seems like Johnny is really using her connections and her relationship to her advantage here. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we were talking about last week about the the blueprint that uh, Johnny Harris wants to set up. Um, you know, she's kind of taken that. She's taken someone that's been with her since Mississippi State when they when they when, when Guitar was playing there. Um, you know, she went to the Sweet Sixteen with them. She brought them to the back to back national championship games with Mississippi State while on staff, like while under uh, Johnny Harris and uh, Vic Schaefer. Um, and then once they jumped ship, basically to Texas, Schaefer and uh, Harris uh, Chapel went with them. Um, so there's, there's a lot of kind of experience with the system and I think it's a great hire for, for this Auburn basketball program. Yeah, definitely. Um, she is young. Do you think that will play into her success at all? Or do you think it'll be a good thing or a bad thing? Well, yeah, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. Um, Chapel has spent six seasons, uh, with, uh, Harris at Mississippi State and at Texas. Um, this last season was with Texas when they went to the Elite Eight, obviously. Um, but she's had a lot of experience with the blueprint and the, the kind of, program that Harris wants to build here at Auburn. I think it's going to be a really great hire to really kind of get this program started. Yeah, it seems like they have a lot of chemistry together, so it'll be interesting definitely to see how that plays out. All right, next I do want to touch on the second hire that happened this week. We had um, Demetria Buchanan. Jake, talk a little bit about that hire. Yeah, it's going to be a very similar hire to Coach Chapel. Uh, Coach Buchanan, she spent a couple years uh, playing for, under Coach Harris and Vic Schaefer at Texas A&M, but most recently uh, Buchanan was a recruiter for Kansas. Um, and one of the things that Coach Harris said about Buchanan was she was an exceptional recruiter. And I think that's really going to play into the blueprint here that Harris is trying to build. She's trying to build a really strong recruiting program to kind of help kind of boost this program through the into, the, into one of the best in the country. Coach Harris is building a staff, and um, I do want to reference this tweet. I think Coach Buchanan came from Kansas, as you were saying, and the head coach uh, of Kansas women's basketball coach, Brandon Snyder, said, and I quote, I want to thank Dee for her commitment and dedication to our program. Johnny Harris is Auburn's women's basketball's head coach, and that's exciting. She was Dee's position coach and mentor. Coach Dee felt like she couldn't pass on the chance to help 
her close to help her close friend in quote so uh that just shows that um sportsmanship that you know that that strong bond and uh just a good send off for coach Buchanan here to Auburn uh but now we're going to transition into Auburn men's basketball and both of you now we're joined by uh Henry Patton along as well Jake Gonzalez will help as well um what can I say? Coach Bruce Pearl has done it yet again. He has done it yet again. He has he has landed a former UNC player um, who entered the transfer portal, uh, a Georgia native, Walker Kessler. Um, and now I think Kessler is a four or five star. He's a five star. Five star, five star. So huge addition for Coach Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. Um, take us through this. Take us through uh, this process, this um Take us through Walker Kessler. You know, what does this mean for Coach Pearl and the future of all men's basketball? Obviously, this front court is just stacked now. Um, you know, you're bringing in two guys that have got quality SEC playing time and Bob Mtundak and Bola and uh, Dylan Cardwell. Um, and you start at, and then you add Jabari Smith to it and Walker Kessler. I mean, that's that's a front court that's going to create a lot of problems. Um, you also expect JT Thor to return. Probably from, he's probably not going to get drafted, but there's a chance. Um, that front court is going to be a, a tough one to deal with. There's, there are some trees down there in that post, and I, I think this is a great pickup, um, especially especially since uh, Auburn recruited uh, Kessler um, in high school. This is this is a great pickup for the front court, and it's really going to add uh, a strong strong mix to this uh, to this team. Uh, here, Henry, we're going to bring you in on this one. Uh, what is your takeaway from the commitment uh, of Walker Kessler, and just the what does this mean for Coach Bruce Pearl and company? I Means huge because. Bruce Pearl was able to grab Walker Kessler over North Carolina where he transferred from, and they were desperately trying to get him back. This wasn't a thing where Auburn was just recruiting him harder and North Carolina came at the end. They really wanted this guy. So for Auburn to be able to grab a guy like that over a blue blood like that, that's huge. And huge indeed. You're absolutely right. Very huge indeed. I know um, the retirement of Coach Roy Williams, the legendary North Carolina coach, kind of shocked everybody. Uh, I think Kessler was in the transfer portal before that. Right. And then the new coach wanted to reach back out to Kessler and bring him back in. Uh, so I, this was a huge development, a huge story. With at, at one point, people didn't know where Kessler was going to go and eventually ended up here on the Plains. Um, Jay, we're going to bring you back in here. What should we expect from Auburn men's basketball with this addition of Walker Kessler, possibly the returning of JT Thor, and maybe the reclassification of Scoot Henderson. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting team. Um, there's a lot of pieces all over the floor. Um, it's going to be hard to find minutes for everybody because I, th- I think everyone can can really contribute to this team uh, and build a solid program. Um, you know, right now I expect kind of a starting five to probably be either uh, Dylan Cardwell or Stretch to start off the the season at the five spot, and then Jabari Smith to start off the four. Um, then I think it can get a little interesting in the three spot with Alan Flanagan or JT Thor there. Um, and then Flanagan can also move to the two. Uh, and then I expect Trey Alexander, if or if Scoot Henderson reclassifies, I'm not sure if he will. Um, I think that can be a really interesting lineup. I think one can, can cause a lot of problems in the SEC. Yeah, and I do want to say, you know, I think maybe some of that competition within, you know, that starting lineup could be really good for their success moving forward. I think it's always good to be challenged by your teammates. So it, it might be interesting, as you were saying, to see really who steps up in those practices before they start the season and really who shows and proves their worth um, on this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think more than anything, it just it's good to have depth like that, where really mm-hmm. anyone can come off the bench and make an actual con- contribution to the team. You know, there's times last season um, where – 
especially at the one spot and that point guard spot where there wasn't a lot of lot there. You know, we, we were at the end of the season, we were using Alan Flanagan, who's a, a small forward by trait, um, as the one. And then we kind of switched over to Jamal Johnson, who's no longer with the program. But I, I think that's kind of going to be a really good step. Um, it's going to build a lot of camaraderie with the team in the first place. And then also it's going to make everyone better. Uh, Henry, we're going to end with you right here. Um, with all all that we know, all that could possibly happen with this team, uh, what would be your expectations for Auburn men's basketball next season? It is hard to set an expectation because I don't think the roster is complete. Will JT Thor come back? Will certain will certain guys come? Because Auburn hasn't filled out the roster, so we don't know who they could get. But right now, I expect a starting lineup of so Walker Kessler, I think transferred here. A big reason he did transfer was playing time. He only got eight minutes at North Carolina, which was not enough, and he averaged four points three rebounds. So like, it's easy to say, oh well, why was this such a big pickup? Well, when he was on the court, he was just producing a ridiculous amount. He had a twenty twelve eight block game when he was able to play. So I think he will get the five position, four position. Jabari Smith, he I believe will be there. I believe Jabari will be the best player Auburn has ever had. That includes Charles Barkley. I'm that high on Jabari Smith. So he will very easily start the four position. Then it gets interesting. Will JT Thor come back? Will JT Thor not come back? If he comes back, I believe he will start at the three. But I'm going to go under the assumption that he doesn't come back just because I think that's easier to assume. And I think it makes more sense because you're just, go- you're just going on what we have right now. So I believe that Alan Flanagan, he's your most experienced player most experienced starter. I believe he will start at the three. People don't realize, Jake kind of touched on this, he was having to play out of position, and that's really hard for a wing to run the run the point position. And that was a huge reason why Auburn struggled, because Alan Fl- that's not what Alan Flanagan's good at. Alan Flanagan is good at having the ball in his hand and like trying to score or running off of screens and, trying to, and sh- shooting threes because he's a good three-point shooter now. So I believe he'll start the three, and I think he's going to have a great season. And the guard position will be will also be very interesting. Will Auburn get another guard? We don't know. But as it stands right now, I think Zepp Jasper will start at the two, and Wendell Green will start at the one, as it looks right now. Wendell Green is very Jared Harper-ish, as he's a 6-1 guard. I think 6-1 is right. And he's quick, he's a very good passer, and he can shoot from range. And Zeb Jasper, very good defender, has a bit of an inconsistent three, and he can ju- he can get inside and score. So I believe that will be the starting five. And then you have guys like Jalen Williams. I think Jalen Williams can be like sixth man of the year in the SEC. Dylan Cardwell will bring energy off the bench. Devin Cambridge will bring, again, some great energy off the bench. Chris Moore will do Chris Moore things. Like He'll just make the... the the plays on the boards, get some offensive rebounds, that'll be huge. Trey Alexander's coming in. He's he's just going to be a walking bucket. And he's he's going to be great off the bench, I believe. And then Stretch will Stretch will have like th- two a game where he has like two or three blocks and it and you win the game because of that. So I I think that's how Auburn's going to look. Well, Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Jake. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see Auburn men's basketball uh, in a jam-packed Auburn arena next year. Uh, so hopefully, everything will be back to normal, as well as Auburn women's basketball and the new uh, Harris era begins here on the Plains. Henry Patton, Jake Gonzalez, we'll be right back with Henry Zimmer to talk about Auburn football. 
Hey, this is Evan Melans, online editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. And we're back here with Henry Zimmer. We're going to be talking Auburn football. Henry, how are you today? Doing well. How are you guys? I'm good. Very excited, really, to see what Auburn's football is going to look like in the future. We've got A-Day coming up on Saturday. Super exciting. What are you expecting, hoping to see from the team as a whole? Yeah, so... Apparently there's some rain forecasted for Saturday, so we're hoping that we can at least get the get some practice out uh, on Saturday. But I think a big storyline for me on offense, at least, we've talked about the wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, I think focusing on Tank Bigsby, he's kind of the presumed RB1. He rushed for about 850 yards last year. I think it was in the 830s. So, you know, 150 more yards is over the 1,000 mark. So um, I think we're trying to see if he can kind of pick up that production from last year. Auburn hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher in a couple years, so... Seeing if we can get that guy rolling to kind of spark something on offense where we may be lacking in other spots, like on the O-line or maybe wide receiver-wise. You know, running back, I think, is a huge position. And obviously, I think tight ends, as we mentioned before, seeing who rolls out there with the first group, who is that tight end one, or if they put two tight ends out there for the first snap on offense, you know, that's a huge thing for our Auburn offense moving forward. And so, you know, running backs, tight ends, you know, seeing who we got out there and what production we're going to get from those position groups specifically. Yeah, definitely. Um, talk about some of maybe some of these young receivers that are coming in. What do you think the coaches are looking for, and and how do you think that's going to affect the offense moving forward? Yeah, so Javarius Johnson, we've talked about on this podcast a ton, and the coaches have raved about him all spring. He's a young guy. I'm not really sure what they think of him, uh, like what his skill set is exactly yet. So finding out what they're using Javarius Johnson for, I think, is a huge thing moving forward. Is he more of an uh, Eli Stove in the slot type of guy, or is he, you know, a Seth Williams on the outside kind of guy? I think that dude specifically is apparently taking the wide receiver one spot. So let's see what he does on Saturday, and let's see if we can kind of use that as a precursor for his position group moving forward. Uh, Javaris Johnson, that's a name to look forward for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you expect to see from maybe the offensive line? I know a lot of the coaches have been talking about just consistency overall. Um, do, what are you expecting to see there? Yeah, I think just playing as one. You know, it's five different guys going five different ways. They call the offensive line, you know, three seconds of chaos every time you play. Just seeing if they can be a cohesive unit. I know it's hard, and the players don't think the offensive line is as bad as, you know, they're getting probably ranked on in the media, but the offensive line does need to take it up a notch. I think that's completely fair. And, you know, to get a guy like Tank over the 1,000-yard mark starts up front. So just having those guys get some push on a run play and, you know, give Bo just an extra second of time on a passing play can make a world of a difference. So, you know, you got Nick Brahms in the center. I feel like everyone kind of knows he's he's the guy right there, but the other four guys and, you know, two on each side of him, what can we do with them to get them to kind of be one unit and, you know, just watching them make blocks and, you know, if they get a couple pancakes and they get some kind of momentum, I, you know, I think that's a huge bonus for them moving forward. Yeah, and I do want to mention, you know, with Bo Nix, like 
Harson is known for being a quarterback coach. He's known for being just really helping to mature quarterbacks. What do you what do you think that Bo Nix is going to be trying to show in this A Day? Yeah, so they've talked about taking a lot of snaps under center. Uh, I think that's something well, I know for a fact that's something Bo's never done really. So that kind of cohesion, and that again goes to the offensive line, and that again goes to the running backs. Can they do that as one cohesive group? Can Bo take a snap under center, get it to tank, and that line get a push to then, you know, get tank going downfield? You know, can they take an under center snap, fake it to uh, tank, and, you know, get somebody like Johnson on the outside going? I think Bo is, is fine in Harson's system. I think Harson is pleased with what he has. Bo needs to probably take a step up from what he did last year. I think mm-hmm. he knows that. The players know that. Coaches know that. Fans know that. And I think this system is designed to kind of make it a little easier and, you know, probably give the ball to Tank some more to kind of give Bo an opportunity to, you know, get the ball rolling a little bit, get some more momentum so it's not all on his shoulders specifically, you know, fighting back from a you know, deficit or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I think Bo, I think it'll be fine. And I think, you know, you just want to see, again, consistency, just some good complete passes, some solid throws, good spirals. And, you know, I'm sure they will do some flashy plays here and there, and you want to see those do well. So they've been working on this kind of toss back to the running back. The running back will toss it to Bo, and they'll throw it downfield. I haven't seen it completed in person yet, so I'm sure that'll be something they'll pull out on A-Day. <laughs> so let's see, you know, look for that play specifically to hope, you know, maybe Bo gets a big play on that. Yeah. And last thing I do want to mention, you know, we had J.J. Pagui being moved to defense now that was a big um big change up from last season how do you think he's going to be able to perform on the defense now yeah so Pegues it's six three and change and 300 pounds he was a huge tight end but then you move him to defensive line and he actually seems a lot smaller it's, uh, <laughs> it's real interesting he was like the biggest guy on offense and now he's just like a regular guy on defense but you know I think again talking about tight ends now we're talking about converted tight ends just watching for him, seeing how he's kind of assimilated into the defensive line position. He's obviously a huge dude. He can obviously move guys on any side of the ball. I don't think that's a problem for him at all. He apparently has a very fluid position. He's a D tackle listed on the website or the roster at the very least. But apparently that's going to change according to what you know the defense decides to roll out there. So maybe let's see if he plays some men. Let's see if he you know maybe even drops back at coverage. You know we know he can catch. So maybe they actually put him in a position to try and make an interception or two. I think just seeing how his development is at a very, very minimal practice uh, schedule for him. He's only been in D-tackle officially for a couple practices now. Mm-hmm. Just seeing if he can, you know, push a guy on the offensive line, seeing if he can make a wrap-up tackle, you know. just He's obviously somebody anybody wants to watch just anywhere he is. So, you <laughs> very know, we're, true. <laughs> we're looking for big 89 out there on the field for sure. Yeah, and I think I think maybe something that's going to be in his favor with that position is just his ability to move. He is actually surprisingly quick Very for his fast. size. So, you know, I, I'm hoping, I think fans are hoping we'll see from him maybe some some sacks, some some fun plays on defense in the fall uh, should be yeah, really absolutely. interesting. So, um, Henry Zimmer, thank you so much for coming on. Guys. We're excited for A-Day. And, um Yeah, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And now we're here with the Dylan B. Fox as he breaks down Auburn baseball last week and the upcoming rivalry against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now over to Christian and Dylan. All right, Dylan, we're so excited to have you here today. How are you? 
I'm all right. Uh, coffee's just kicking in, so <laughs> I'm getting into that. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, Auburn broke out of its five-game losing slump this week as they pulled out a win against Georgia Tech, 7-3. to So, but before we talk about that game, I do want to touch on the series this past weekend against Mississippi State. They really struggled. They really struggled. The first game on Friday, I felt like they showed some promise, but then they just kind of fell apart in game two and three. What do you think contributed to their success on Friday, and what do you think fell through in terms of execution on the second and third games? Starting pitching. That's that's as simple as it. It's really all it takes. Uh, Jack Owen and uh, Joseph Gonzalez, especially Gonzalez, got absolutely shelled. Uh Jack Owen, from the first first uh, first hit of the ball game, uh, I believe it was Rowdy Jordan just nailing it off the Green Monster in left field. Uh, it really didn't get much better for him. I think he was leaving the breaking stuff over the plate. It got way too much of the plate. And then the the fastball, it you know it didn't have the life that you usually see from him. It, you know, he's able to throw the the, the cutter or not. It, it it just wasn't working. He was missing up high and. They had no problem. Mississippi State hitters had no problem uh, getting plenty of hard contact off of him. Uh, the defense had uh, their own issues, but uh, at the end of the day, it, a lot of runs is from your starting pitcher and his performance. Uh, Gonzalez, I don't know if I have the words to describe Gonzalez's performance on Sunday. 42 pitches, nine earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. Uh, I've I've never seen a blow-up start quite as bad as that. I don't know how you scored nine runs without hitting a home run. They had a three-run triple, and again, it's the same thing. It's the slurve, it's the breaking ball, whatever he throws. It's He's leaving it way too, way too close to the plate. He's getting way too much of the plate. Stop throwing it for strikes. Rely on the fastball and the change-up with these guys, especially if you're, if you're facing a lefty. Um, but what I saw was good from the series. I have to talk about Ryan Bliss. Ryan Bliss is the new star of this team, and now that I say that, he is going to be jinxed. He's going to go 0 for 12 <laughs> this weekend. That's usually how it works. So uh, with Ryan Bliss, we all knew his offensive output. It, it was always easy to make a Tim Anderson comparison because of, uh, there was some defensive issues. But now I, I saw him make plenty of awesome plays at, at the, the six hole this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, and and against Georgia Tech as well, so I'm a I'm a true believer. I was just going to say, um, going back to the Georgia Tech game, um, what does this mean for Stephen Williams? You know, he had a uh, I guess a sort of comeback game against Georgia Tech. You know, he's from the state of Georgia, uh, play, played pretty well. So, um, how do you think this affects Stephen Williams going forward? Yeah, I've. I've... Uh, I've talked about Stephen a lot this year. The catcher battle was the most interesting position battle this year, for sure. So Stephen Williams, uh, he's he's been generally, a, you know, he's been struggling a little bit in the SEC. Uh, on Tuesday, I believe he had a, a double and a home run. Uh, he was he was named the player of the game by Auburn Baseball's Twitter. Uh, look, that's a that's a great game. But there is one telling stat in this SEC season that that gives me a lot of trouble uh, looking at, and it's that opponents are 13 for 13 on stolen bases in SEC play. 13 for 13, not a single caught stealing. And if you watch the games, you know that a lot of times Steven doesn't even get the throw off. Like, mm-hmm. He has a cannon behind home play. We've seen it in the outfield as well. But he's just been unable to even get the throw off. Uh, there's something wrong in his transition. So um, 
we'll have to see. And they all they also put if if uh, they don't want Williams behind the plate because it's it's very hard to catch all three games in a weekend. They usually put Ryan Dahl there, and Ryan Dahl, uh, I don't hate his arm. It's it's usually right, at, you know, pinpoint, but. He has a lot of the same issues that that Steven has with the the transition. So, if they want bases to not be stolen, they have to put Nate Larue behind the plate. Not only does Nate Larue have an absolute cannon, he is consistent, he is fluid, he has great footwork, and he can deliver an absolute missile to second or third base. Uh, catcher is a difficult position, and it, it involves. Uh, the relationship with the pitcher and framing and blocking. And I, I understand that Butch believes that Steven is, has a better connection with a lot of these pitchers, especially people like Cody Greenhill. But at the end of the day, if, if players can steal bases at ease, like they have been in the SEC, Nate LaRue is going to be way better as a defensive catcher, no matter what is, how bad his out, offensive output is. We saw Matt Scheffler... Uh, be a great defensive catcher. We saw him sign with the, his hometown Seattle Mariners because of his defensive skill set behind the plate, his pitch framing, his blocking, his connection with pitchers, and his arm and ability to throw out runners. It didn't matter what his offensive output was. It was his defensive value that made him valuable to MLB teams. And Bush has to recognize that, that the catcher position is a position that y- you should be willing to take less uh, offensive output for. And it's not as if uh, Steven has been consistent all season. Yeah, he had a good game Tuesday, but he's had a lot of problems hitting foul. And uh, you can go into the swing mechanics and stuff on that. But if he's going to be a, a big value, he's ha- he's got to have to do it with his bat and improve his, his uh, throws the second. Yeah, I think I really agree with you on those stolen bases. I As I was watching you know, the Mississippi State series this weekend, I I can't even remember how many times it was where – the catcher would just not get that ball to second base as as the runner was stealing. And it happened over and over again. And it almost looked as if there wasn't, the effort wasn't there. It was almost like there was just hesitation and just a little bit of, of not being on top of it. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that improves at all. I, I hope, I think, you know, Auburn definitely hopes it does, but you know, it's just, I think they're really struggling in, it could be a mental thing, really. It could be that they they stopped believing that they could win, and so they just stopped trying, and so those stolen bases really started to rack up. But, I mean, you can't not make those efforts. You have to be on top of it, really aggressive with that position. And if you're not, then people are going to take advantage of you. And as we've seen, you know, with those 13 of 13 stolen bases... With their opponents, it just can't happen. It's got to it's gotta be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's the yips or whether it's efforts, I'm a believer in Nate LaRue behind the plate. Butch isn't. And uh, if, if, that's, if that's his, I mean, obviously he's the coach, but uh, if, if he, uh, he has, you know, all the information, all the metrics and everything. So if, if he believes that Stephen Williams is a better decision behind the plate, then he may be. But to me, the the stolen bases are a problem, and he's he's got to fix it some one way or another. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look forward to the series this weekend against Alabama. Um, what do you think Coach Butch Thompson wants to see from his team this weekend? He wants to see the pitchers go deep into games, and he wants to see one or two guys 
probably preferably more for him, but he wants to see a few guys from the bullpen who he can put in in any situation or even a specific situation and and be confident in him that he's not going to get blown up. You know, uh, he wants if Cody Greenhill needs to go six seven innings. Cody Greenhill will go six seven innings, but if you're only up two runs in in the seventh. This bullpen has shown that that that's not enough. So now with uh, Alabama having Connor Prelip back, uh, Connor Prelip is the might be the premier freshman pitcher in the SEC. But we haven't seen him since the the, the first season, uh, the first weekend of the year, and he's he's finally back. Some undisclosed injury, we have no idea. But he will be uh, starting Saturday, and you'll probably see him uh, on Twitter with just crazy pitches if you follow pitching ninja on twitter he will probably have a few prey lip uh, uh clips on there uh and it's not as if uh dylan smith is is anything to, to bash at i believe he will be the friday starter so it, it'll be interesting to see it this alabama team doesn't have the depth of arms of some team like arkansas or mississippi state or even ole miss but uh this this starting pitching rotation is nothing to scoff at. It is definitely better than Auburn's in in every way. Uh, I think, but yeah, most importantly, it, Butch will need good starting pitching performances and then a couple performers out of the bullpen. My money is on Peyton Glavin. Peyton Glavin has had his issues, but he has also shown that he could be a shutdown pitcher in the right situation. He's more than just a lefty specialist. Uh, that changeup is working a lot better it's not quite his dad's but it's lo- looking a lot better <laughs> yeah and i i do want to ask do you have any predictions what are your expectations win lose this weekend so i think connor prelip will throw five shutout innings on saturday maybe allow one or two runs but uh again he is going to be on a pitch limit because it's his first series so uh, Auburn's role, uh, Auburn's uh, tasks for for Saturday will be to just get on base, take pitches, get walks, make him nervous, and and get his pitch. He he needs. They want him to be at fifty pitches by the end of the second inning, uh, so that they yank him and just run through that bullpen. Um, the first two days, uh, with with Smith, I would I would be more aggressive, and and uh, Tyler Raz as well. I would be more aggressive. Uh, they're not going to walk you a ton. It's kind of like with Will Bednar last weekend with with Mississippi State. Everyone loves him because he's walked seven batters this year in thirty something innings, and that's why they love him. And and they're not Smith isn't quite that good, but they have to be aggressive from the first inning on. Get on base, steal bases, uh, you know, hit into gaps. Uh, the double plays are going to kill. So. Uh, you know, keep it off the ground. Um, and it's, it's all about uh, being aggressive. Don't wait. And, and that, that'll help them in the first two days. Uh, but with, with Prelip on Saturday, they have to wait and be patient. All right. Well, there you have it. Did you, uh, I think you had a question, Michael? Well, um, I, I wouldn't say uh, a question, but just something to add. Um, at the end of the day, Auburn, it's Alabama, it's the Iron Bowl. And, you know, this, this rivalry uh, is always something. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in softball. We've seen it in men's and women's basketball. We've seen it in all the sports. And if I'm not mistaken, Auburn has only won against Alabama in any sport this year, one or 
once or twice. I know for a fact it was soccer and I think another sport. But they, uh, bas- men's basketball got swept. Women's basketball got swept. Um, wow. So, so just take us through. What, will the rivalry sense of this uh, take part? take place in motivating the guys from Auburn to get getting it done, getting a sweep if possible. I don't know if it motivates Butch as much. Uh, Butch doesn't have enemies, but it for sure motivates these players. They don't want to be swept, and it for sure motivates these fans. They don't want to be swept in, in every major sport either. So that will be in the back of some people's minds. That will be, definitely be in the, in the minds of the fans uh, at Alabama Stadium. I'm sure they will be loud. I'm sure they will be... Uh, very vocal. That's that's the that's the best word to use. Uh, they're they're great fans over there, and um, I'm sure they will keep it clean. That is that is the the number one key. They will keep it clean. No swearing. <laughs> there are children around at baseball games. <laughs> I'm not saying I've never sworn at a baseball game, but usually it's it's at the MLB level. <laughs> I've uh, I've definitely sworn at the TV a few times, but uh, the, we are all human. <laughs> so yeah, with Alabama, I, I I think I don't think that it's going to be a sweep by any means. This this Alabama lineup they've they've shown that they can score runs. I think they put up sixteen on a Friday game against Arkansas. I believe yeah, sixteen to one. So they've shown they can put up runs against good pitching, but they've also they've also fallen flat on a few occasions. So it depends on what Alabama team that Auburn gets this weekend. Uh, if they're motivated, which they probably will be, it'll be a harder series. But I don't, I don't trust this this Auburn team to go quietly, and they they haven't been that way. They've had a lot of one run losses. Their record is bad, but they've had a lot of one run losses where their bullpen just just laid down and died. So if they can if they can improve those. Then they can they can squirt out a win, maybe two. We we won't know, and we will see later today. Uh, for us, at least, we're recording this on a Thursday. You guys will be listening to this at earliest on Friday. So, uh, if you're listening to this right now, tell me right now. Text me right now. Uh, who won? Because right now I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for yeah, coming thank on. You. Of course, love to be here. Love to watch some baseball. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, Christian, that that wraps up what we all have today. We've heard from um, people who spoke about uh, men's basketball and women's basketball. Um, 8A is around the corner. um, And also we've heard about baseball. Uh, So, Christian, what did you take away from today? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is just looking towards the future for Auburn at this moment. I think um, whether that's with, you know, both women's and men's basketball, I think everyone is really excited to see what what the future brings for that. And I mean, with A-Day, fans are excited, students are excited, faculty is excited to see what Coach Harson has brought to Auburn. Really, um, really looking forward to that as well. And then for baseball, hope, hope for the future. Hopefully there's a a light at the end of the tunnel there for Auburn, and uh, we will see if that actually happens. But yeah, it's been a great day, and uh, really enjoyed recording this with you. You know, and I, I think from my biggest takeaways are, um, 
we're glad to have Coach Harris and her and as she assembles her staff. Looking forward to see uh, the the final pieces of her puzzle as she gets ready to take over this program. Uh, we're looking forward to men's basketball. You know, Coach Bruce Pearl and company. And like you said, you touched on it. We're looking forward to the fall and seeing what the Harson era um, brings here. You know. Um, and baseball, I mean, there's still hope. I think that you still have some uh, series for them to uh, win. So I know Auburn fans um, are eager to see their baseball team turn things around. And I think the un- the un I guess you say the unsung hero in all of this will be probably athletic director Alan Green and uh, the great job he's done bringing in Coach Harson and bringing in Coach Harris and also while maintaining his presence at other sporting events as well. But um, Thank you, Kristen, for letting me co-host with you. And now I'll turn it back over to you. Yes, well, you know, the future is bright for Auburn. And thank you guys so much, for, as always, for listening to us. Uh, We always appreciate your support. And uh, this has been Page 8 from the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Kristen Carr. And this is Michael Floyd. And we are signing off.